Labor's closing loopholes bill passed the Senate on Thursday, supported by Labor the Greens, Lydia Thorpe and David Pocock, among others. It's the most expansive change to Australia's industrial relations landscape since the Fair Work Act of 2009. Olivia Bowie asked Dr Jim Stanford, Director of the Centre for Future Work at the Australia Institute, what changes from the closing loopholes bill will have the greatest impact for employees and employers? There's a whole range of changes in this legislation that together are going to be a big step in addressing the problem of insecure work. Just to be honest, uh, Olivia, that's a very small part of the whole of the whole uh, bill. I, 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 Maybe I should jump into the biggest topic then, um, okay. which is probably, was it, was it right to disconnect might be the biggest mm. aspect of the well, bill? The right to disconnect provisions in this bill have attracted a lot of attention because it's a, a first step to addressing a problem that, in a way, we're all experiencing. It seems that it's harder and harder to escape work. The provisions in the law itself are pretty modest. Uh, all it does is it, uh, it gives workers protection against being punished or penalized or dismissed because they didn't answer an email from their boss uh, in the evening or over the weekend. The bill still leaves room for employers to contact workers out of hours uh, for any kind of reasonable operational requirement. Uh, it's a pretty modest step, but I think it will be significant culturally because it is, in a way, putting a, a flag in the sand to say, look, if you're a business, you're hiring workers, that doesn't mean you have access to them 24-7, uh, seven days a week. They do have a right to turn off and get on and enjoy their lives. Could there be unintended consequences to the right to disconnect? But the provisions of this law are very incremental and, frankly, very modest. There are some old-school thinkers, you know, mostly of the baby boom generation, who somehow see this provision as a betrayal of, uh, you know, the Australian work ethic. But um, they've got to kind of keep up with the times here. Technology has changed, and uh, there are new ways that work creeps into our lives. The new bill states a right for casual employees to request for a permanent position. What requirements or processes will be involved for upgrading to a permanent position? Are there certain standards that must be met? The uh, right of workers on, who are hired as casual to request a, a permanent job rather than a casual job already exists. All this legislation does is makes it a, a little bit clearer and a little bit easier uh, for workers to request that conversion uh, if they think they, they would prefer it. So, um, first of all, the bill includes a new definition of um, what constitutes casual work uh, and makes it clearer that uh, casual work is supposed to be for situations where you work either irregular hours or you're working for um, uh, some kind of uh, limited, time-limited period. You aren't a permanent regular employee. But we have seen thousands of businesses misuse casual employees uh, to perform normal, regular, ongoing functions. And that's not what casual employment was meant to be for. I do not expect it will have a major impact on the incidence of casual employment in Australia. Uh, but again, I think it at least clarifies. And the final question is, um, with the creation of this bill, there has been discussion on definitions a lot, also defining different types of businesses, distinguishing small <clears throat> business and yes. big business. What types of businesses might be most affected by the bill? Some of the definitional detail in this bill has been very, very important, and it reflects the failure of previous legislation to even define what a worker is. Uh, so, for example, uh, recent high court decisions have basically said that uh, for employers, 
they can define someone as a contractor uh, rather than an employee just with the stroke of a pen. If I call you a contractor, you're a contractor. And uh, even if the person is working regular hours under the direct control of the uh, main business, like any employee would. And that stroke of the pen matters because all of a sudden, if they're employees uh, no longer and now they're contractors, they're not guaranteed minimum wage. They're not guaranteed uh, all the other normal protections and entitlements that workers get because, in theory, you know, they're their own little business, their own contractor. The businesses who will be most affected by it are businesses who've been trying to use the previous loopholes in labor law to get around basic rights and entitlements like minimum wage. If you're already paying the minimum wage and treating your worker as a worker, as a business, you've got nothing to worry about from this legislation. Mm. But if you thought you could avoid any of those normal costs of doing business just by changing somebody's name from worker to contractor, well, uh, now you're going to have to pay a bit more attention. There's still lots of scope to use contractors and use casual workers and uh, contact workers on the weekend. But uh, employers will just have to be a bit more thoughtful uh, before they do any of those practices. Is this the most dramatic change we've seen in legislation to industrial relations? Well, as usual, in the realm of industrial relations uh, legislation, uh, there's all kinds of extreme uh, complaints and concerns being expressed that this is going to lead to the end of the working world as we know it. And really, these are incremental changes that uh, just, I think, reflect the changes in technology and the changes in our economy and uh, that is not a dramatic change at all. Dr. Jim Stanford, Director of the Centre for Future Work at the Australia Institute, speaking there with Olivia Bowie.